0: I'm going to try something tonight that I'm not very good at. I'm going to try to stick to the subject. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm going to give it a a good concerted effort. We are going to talk about sin. So the, the question tonight is, what is sin? As Don is out from time to time, he'll ask for me to fill in. And so this will probably evolve into a series of different aspects of sin different topics of sin different ways of looking at sin tonight we're going to start with just the basic what is sin this is something that we have all um, heard about we've all talked about we've all thought about it but have you ever really thought about like what what is sin what exactly is sin and as the world would say is it really that big of a deal would we as members of the church say that sin is really that big of a deal and hopefully, as members of the church, we would say, yes, this is a very big deal. How big is it? Well, it took God sending His Son to the earth and dying so that we can have remission of sins. So is this significant? Absolutely. This, 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 this costed our Savior His life. So let's talk about some of these things. Like I said, we're going to talk about a lot of varieties of um, discussion around sin so if you, if you have questions and they seem to be a little bit more advanced, um, just hang on to those questions and hopefully we'll come to them. But tonight we're going to talk about what is sin. So starting off, we're going to talk about, let's, let's go to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Let's start there. 1 John 3, 4. This will give us a quick uh, definition. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So what is sin? Sin is lawlessness. If you take that word and you break it down, we have lawlessness. So it's, it's, the, it's the breaking of law. It's the transgression of law. Uh, you could think about it as you know, disregarding the law. You could think about it as being illegal. We think about it in our world today If I transgress the law, I've broken the laws of the land. Well, this is even beyond that. This is transgressing, breaking the laws that God has set forth. It's one thing that if I live here on this earth and I um, get out on the interstate and I speed and I break the law, there's a penalty associated with that law. But if I break God's law, if I transgress God's law, that's much more serious. There's a, there's a consequence that's much more serious than if I get a speeding ticket. And I'm not justifying speeding, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But that we need to understand what is sin. Sin is transgression of God's law, the law that God has set forth. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Let's take a look there. Romans chapter chapter 3. In verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous. What does that mean? What does it mean to be righteous? Sinless. What's that? Sinless. Sinless, okay. It means I'm in a right state, I'm righteous. Okay. It says, no, not one. What does that mean? That means that, uh, and we can look at verse 23, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. None of us can say that we're righteous in the sense that we are sinless. We can't say that. If we say that, then we're a liar. We can look at 1 John chapter 1. We can say that we have no sin in our lives, but we just we're just deceiving ourselves. Yes, sir. Be referred to as righteous in God's eyes without being sinless, but I understand what you're saying. But we cannot be righteous of our own. Correct. Correct. We cannot be righteous because of ourselves. So if all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, who is immune to sin? No one. Now, again, we can talk about, you know, the age of accountability. We understand that if you are under the age of accountability, that you are sinless, that you are innocent, that you are pure. We understand that babies are not born into sin like some people teach in in the religious world today. We talked about this in the fifth and sixth grade class recently about how um, you have denominations that will sprinkle and pour and, and baptize infants. Well, why do they do that? Well, because they believe uh, through Calvinism and other things that babies are born into sin. We know that's not true. Nothing could be farther from the truth. You look at Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. The son bear not the iniquity of the father, and the father bear not the iniquity of the son. I'm not responsible for somebody else's sin. I'm responsible for my sin. The day of judgment is going to be me. My dad's not going to stand on the day of judgment And, and, you know, be accountable for me. I'm the one that's going to look God in the eyes and I'm going to, he's going to determine if I was righteous, if I lived appropriately. Um, So we have all sinned once we reach that age of accountability. None of us are immune to this. So is this a relevant, is this a necessary topic? Yes. What is sin? It's something that applies to all of us. So let's take it a step further. One thing that we have to realize is that God Himself is holy. God is holy. God cannot be tempted with evil. James chapter 1 and verse 13. Concerning God, the Apostle Paul wrote, Who only hath immorality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach. God, can, can, can approach uh, let's see. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man has seen nor can see. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. Light represents good. Think about this in your own life. You ever been in a really, really, really dark place? Like literally dark? Not like where you can see the street light out of the, the corner of your window, but like dark. where you, Like you can't see your hand in front. It's, it's kind of an eerie, it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling. We don't like that as individuals. We like light. God is light. As Christians, we are commanded to be light. Look at uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. We are to be a light set on a hill. We're supposed to be a light to the community. Are you a light to the people who are around you at work? Are you a light to the people who live next door to you? What kind of example am I? The world needs light. We can look at at the world from a, a variety of perspectives. The world needs light. God himself is pure. God himself is light. God is good. God is not the author of sin. Sometimes we want to attribute God as the author of sin. So stay with me here and I'll hopefully explain this. We've all heard various scenarios, and one scenario might be that you have a man who's drinking, and he gets into a car, and he drives down the road, and he runs head on to another car, and maybe it's a young teenage girl, and this young teenage girl passes away, and we want to say, well, you know, God needed her in heaven. God took her too soon. Did God do that? No. Sin did that. That man was drinking and driving. That's sin. God did not take that girl from this earth. Sin took her from this earth. We have to be be careful not to say that God is doing things that he's not doing. God is not the author of sin. So where we have to put our emphasis here is Satan. Satan is the one. Satan is the one who introduced sin into the world. And we could take another class period and maybe give this to Don or maybe Ben and talk about, you know, the background of Satan and the fall of Satan and and all of those things. But for the sake of our topic tonight, we're not going to get into all of that. But Satan is the one who has introduced sin into the world. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Let's read that. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verse six. This is talking about qualifications of an elder. It says, "Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he may fall into the same condemnation as the devil." Based on this verse, what's something we read or something that we understand about the devil? Under condemnation and that he's full of pride. Now, you think about the devil. It's all about it's all about the devil. He's never concerned about somebody else's well-being. He's not concerned if you're happy. It's all about him and him trying to get other people to live a life and to think like he does. That's who Satan is. Satan is our enemy. What does it mean if we call someone our enemy? Okay. They're the opposition. There's, There's a there's, there's confrontation. He is our enemy. We are actively opposing Satan. Would you consider in your own life today that you are actively opposed to Satan? I think sometimes even as members of the church, we kind of think of Satan as kind of this real distant, kind of gray, foggy subject. We don't really think a lot about it. Yeah, Satan's real, but you know we, we just kind of... Satan is real and he's active. And we need to be actively opposing him. And we're going to talk, maybe some tonight, but later on, how do we actively oppose the devil? He is, he is planning. He's constantly planning on how to, to tear us down. Satan doesn't give up. He doesn't rest. Satan's not going to retire at some point. This is his mission. This is his whole goal, is to tear us down. And we have to be constantly on guard. He's seeking to destroy our souls. What does that mean? That he is seeking to destroy our souls. Okay? He wants us to sin. He wants us to fail. He wants our soul. That's what He wants. He's not some political figure that is wanting our money. He wants our soul. He wants the most important thing that every one of us have, and that's our soul. It doesn't matter how much money you have here tonight. The most important thing you have is your soul. And I think even as Christians, we take that for granted. And we, we don't think about our soul as seriously as we should and as often as we should. Let's read uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. This is a passage that we've, we've read many times and we've talked about it, but let's, let's read it a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse number 8. If you go to war with your enemy... What's, what's something that you do? What, what's something that you want to know? Their weaknesses? I want to know who is my enemy. Who am I going into battle with? I want to know their weaknesses. How can I beat this enemy? How can I conquer? How can I win this war? Every war, we're going we're to strategize. We're going to plan. We're going to learn what are their weaknesses. How am I going to attack? this enemy. Why should that be any different with Satan? We need to know who we're at war with. We need to know how is he planning on attacking us? What are his methods so that we can properly battle him? So 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober. Be sober, meaning... Be alert. Be serious. serious. I want you focused. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does that mean? Vigilant. Yes, I'm on guard. I am constantly awake. If I'm a guard, I am constantly looking. I'm not sleeping on the job. I'm not, you know, playing a game on my phone. I'm vigilant. I understand that there is a war going on and I am being vigilant. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, adversary meaning what? Your enemy. And if you look at the Greek, it actually carries the idea of an opponent in a legal trial. Your enemy is what? Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Do we as Christians really think about Satan walking about as a roaring lion? This is a passion, this is not new to anyone here. We've heard these verses, we've studied them, we've read them, we've heard them from the pulpit many, many times. It's not new. Why don't we take it serious? If you saw on the news tonight that there was a literal lion on the loose in Cookville and no one knows where it is, it could be at Walmart, it could be at Publix, it could be in our parking lot, no one knows where it is, but it's an angry lion. It's not a friendly lion. It's an angry lion and it wants to devour you. What might our mentality be? (laughs) I'm going to stay at home, close the windows, close the door. It's a good strategy. That's interesting, though. Why why do we do differently with Satan himself? You know, we still live our lives. Satan's out there. We don't just close our doors and and bunker down. We know that Satan's out there. You, You get the point. If there was a literal lion on the streets of Cookville... I'm constantly looking, looking around. I've got to go through my daily life, but I'm looking around, I'm watching for my kids. What am I doing? I'm being sober, being vigilant. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of my surroundings. That's, what this, this is, that's the idea of this. is don't let your guard down, because Satan is like a roaring lion, and he's seeking to devour us. That's his mission. Seeking whom he may devour. What does that word devour mean? Totally consume. You ever see like a a stray dog or a stray animal, and they haven't eaten for a while, and somebody feeds them, they put food down in front of them, what happens? I mean, sometimes it's like they're not even chewing, they're they're just swallowing, they're inhaling it. They are devouring that food. They're consuming it. They're like a Hoover vacuum cleaner. That's right. It's quick. It's aggressive. That's the language that's used to describe how Satan wants to to attack us. He wants to devour us as Christians. Again, we think about that, that lion that's out there. How many of us want to go out there and and pet that lion on the top of the head? No, we understand that's, that's crazy. No one would want to do that. Why do we treat sin any differently? Why do we want to see how close we can get to that line, we can get to sin without actually sinning? I want to see how close I can get to the line without losing my hand. Logically, it doesn't make any sense but we do it every day. As members of the Lord's church, we do it every day. So I think we're definitely on to something here. And that is, is that sometimes because we can't see him, we can't see Satan. We just tend to forget about him. We, we kind of lose um, our, our soberness, our, our vigilance, our, our war mentality with our enemy because we can't necessarily see him. Or like Brother Reed said, is because the consequence is not always immediate. Sometimes it can be, but it's not always. And so it's, I've committed that sin and nothing's happened. Well, that wasn't so bad. The study of what is sin is so important to us as Christians. If studying sin doesn't motivate you to be a better Christian, then you need to evaluate your heart because none of us are immune to this. We've talked in other classes about Satan is really good at what he does. If I can pay him a compliment, that's that's the compliment that I would pay him. He knows every person in here. He knows what your weakness is. He knows what my weakness is. He's not necessarily going to use the same fishing lure on this person as this person. He knows exactly which lure to use for you and for me. There's careful planning on behalf of Satan. This is not a willy-nilly, just wake up one day, and yeah, I think I'm going to attack that person. There is strategy. You think about a lion. You've seen um, maybe on uh, the TV, and you see like the lion out in in Africa, and as he's about to attack his prey, what's he doing? He's planning. He kind of gets down. He's watching his prey. He's studying his prey. He's mapping out what he's about to do. And then what happens? He's quick. That's the same way Satan is. He is watching us every day. He knows what atmospheres we are most vulnerable at. He knows which people that we are around that we are going to be most vulnerable. He might know that there are certain people in our lives that he can use to help encourage sin, and to help deceive us and tempt us. Satan is really good at what he does. As Christians, once again, as his enemy, we need to study him. We need to take him seriously. Okay? So we can understand that Satan is our enemy, that he is seeking to destroy our souls. We talked about the fact that He is looking to devour us. We could go on and we could read verse 9 and talking about resisting Him and being steadfast in the faith. We're going to hold off on that for right now. But let's go into the next section here. So Genesis chapter 3 tells us how sin first entered the world. After the creation of man and woman, God placed them in the Garden of Eden with a single restriction. The serpent, the devil, finds Eve in the garden and tempts her to eat of the forbidden fruit. Verse number one. Eve responds by telling the servant, She may not eat of the fruit of the tree, or else she will die. Verses two through three. It's interesting that Eve responds with, Well, I can't do that. I've been instructed not to do that. When we are faced with temptation, wouldn't you say that sometimes that's us? Sometimes when we are faced with temptation, We know that's wrong. We know it. Eve knew it. It wasn't like, well, you know, I'm not really sure. She knew that it was wrong. And we too know that it's wrong. You know, there's presumptuous sin and there's secret sin. Secret sin is I've committed a sin and I'm not even aware of it. I didn't even realize it was a sin. Presumptuous sin is like a bold sin. It's I commit this sin and I know exactly what I'm doing. Now, Both sins can cost you your soul. But think about it from a presumptuous standpoint. How many times when we're faced with with temptation that we might say in our minds, well, I can't do that, that's wrong. Lying is wrong, or you fill in the blank. But yet somehow we still fall into that trap. We're going to try to understand some of this. Uh, Let's see here. So in verses 2 through 3, uh, he, she responds to Satan by saying, you know, I cannot do this. And then Satan lies to Eve, and he attacks the character of God. So Eve says, you know, I can't do that. I've been struck that I can't to do that. And Satan somehow convinces her, that's not true. Yes, sir? He was, he was a better debater? Okay, I would say he was a better liar. He was a better deceiver. Um God was very was God very clear with his instructions? They were not complicated, they were not confusing. You know, we look at the, the world today here I go chasing rabbits again. I told you I wasn't going to do it. Um here here we are and uh, I'm not even going to chase it. I'm going to fight that temptation. How about that? Um so Satan turns around and he starts telling her lies. Remember what I said, Satan is good at what he does. A couple of observations that we can make from this particular instance with Satan. One is that he is a deceiver. He is a deceiver. If somebody deceives you, what does that mean? They tricked you. I heard someone else. They lie to you, yes. They trick you, they lie to you. They make you think what's wrong is right. Deception at its core. That's, that's correct. That's a good point. We have to understand that Satan is a deceiver. Satan does not, does not paint the picture of, of temptation and then on the side of that show you, here's the consequence, here are the results. He doesn't give you that information. He is a deceiver. Satan is only picturing, he's only painting what he wants you to see. So he's going to make this pleasurable, fun, exciting. He's going to make this a positive thing. He's going to deceive you into thinking that it's going to be something that it's not. That's what deception is. Imagine the next time that you were faced with a temptation that you could see the temptation, but then you could see the consequences, or you could see what's going to happen as a result of that temptation. That's pretty powerful. Because if you're like me, you have committed sin, and when you commit that sin, there are consequences to that sin that you never even considered before. And it's not until afterwards that you realize, I wish I hadn't done that. For a variety of reasons. One of the things that I want you to understand about sin is is that it snowballs. It might start off with something that we would consider minor, like a lie. You cannot justify lying. We're going to talk about situational ethics. You cannot justify lying. But people will take a simple lie. You know, it's just a little white lie. And that little white lie turns into something else. And then I've got to tell another lie because I forgot what I told in the first place. And then the next thing you know, This sin took me places I never considered going. Sin will open doors you never dreamed of opening. How important is this topic? This is crucial. As Christians, we need to be studying sin on a regular basis. Why? Because it cost Jesus everything. Everything. This is why we are members of the church, so that we can be free. From that sin. I am the one that sent Jesus to the cross. Because of me. And the decisions that I've made. Jesus had to go to the cross. Because he didn't have to. He had a choice. But Jesus went to the cross. Because of the decisions and the choices that I make. Again, we are at war with Satan. We need to plan and we need to study. Just like he does with us. Okay. Any thoughts? Any questions? So, first thing we see here is that he is a deceiver. He has a plan to deceive you. If somebody has a plan to do something, what does that mean? They've thought about it. Thought about it. There is pre planning, there's methodical uh, process to this. There's evaluation, there's time, there's effort. He has planned what he's going to do. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Ephesians 6, 11. It says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. What does that mean? Okay, the ESV translated as schemes, the trickery, the deception of the devil. Do you think he's just going to be straightforward with us? Say, I just, I'm just going to lay this out on the table. Like, you can make up your own mind, but this is what's going to happen if you sin. That's not the way he works. It's trickery. There are schemes. He's, he's conniving. He's deceiving. Satan is full of lies. That's what he is. That is his nature. The Bible talks about, uh, Jesus actually tells us that the devil is the father of lies. John chapter 8 and verse 44. You think about um, the father of mathematics, the father of medicine, and the father of you name it. And we think about, well, you know, these individuals, they they spend a lot of time researching and developing. And and these these are really impressive things. How would you like to be known as the father of lies? Does it get worse than that? He is the father of lust. he's the father of evil, he's the father of sin. That's what he does. that's, that's what he's consumed with. He wants to devour us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11:3, let's read that one. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3. So 2 Corinthians 11:3 says But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Craftiness. We're going to talk more at length about this, but what are some ways... That the devil can deceive or be crafty or throw schemes at us. Yeah. Yeah. It might just be something as simple as, you know, there's a catchy song on on the radio. And it's got a real catchy beat and you just really like it but it just introduces small, subtle things. And it just wears you down as a Christian. Remember what I said, he is a deceiver. He's going to make things seem very appealing. And it just might be a little bit at a time. How did we get to where we are in 2022? A little bit at a time. Desensitization. We have, be, we have become desensitized as a nation When I was a kid, if you went to your parents and you said, uh, growing up as a boy, I'm going to be a girl, you know what that was considered? That was considered mental illness. It really was. You would have gone to the doctor and you would have said, there's something wrong with this boy. He really thinks he's a woman. I heard on the news recently, you guys know I'm I'm chasing rabbits again, um, there's a guy, I forget which country it was in. It's not in the U S but he wants to identify as a woman and he also wants to identify as a paralyzed individual. There's nothing wrong with him physically and he is serious. He wants to be in a wheelchair and he wants to identify as a woman and he wants to be a paralyzed person. This is where sin will take you. When you open that door, it's going to open a lot more doors that you never thought it would take you. Where we are in 2022, we haven't seen anything yet. If our, our country hasn't seen anything yet, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Thank you for your time.